We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 431 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. And I'm not running solo this week. I am joined by my Packer Report and Pack-A-Day podcast colleague, Jacob Westendorf. Jacob, how are you? Good. It's good to be back. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, Packer Report, Pack a Day. We do just about everything together. It seems like these days. So we figured, uh, why not bring the band back together for a little podcasting here? I feel like I sound like Gus Johnson when I talk like that. My Packer Report and Pack a Day podcast colleague, Jacob Westendorf. The greatest the- now in the NFL. <laughs> oh, oh, random audio playing. Okay. Anyways. Jacob, the Packers, they're sitting at 3-1. and one. We, They've played their last game of September. They got a nice 9-10 day break before they go into Dallas for what you know what could be argued as the biggest, maybe the biggest game of the year, or maybe the most previewed matchup. You know, the matchup that kind of everyone's looking forward to on their calendar. Everyone loves seeing the Packers and the Cowboys battle. They've done it what feels like every single year since like 2014. It's... You know, it's it's a big game, but right now they're coming off a loss against the Eagles on Thursday night. They're not really looking full strength, but there were some positives to take away from that game. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Right now, like I said, they're sitting at three and one. Let's kind of review the first quarter of the season. They're four games in. They've had ups, they've had downs, but through it all, they've persevered. And Matt Lafleur, this rookie head coach, coming in and wading through all of these off-season stories about how he and Aaron Rodgers are going to get along and this and that and all the, the 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 inner mechanisms of what's happening in the locker room and 
how Roger just doesn't like him. He persevered through all of that. This whole team persevered through that. And he became the first Packers coach since Vince Lombardi to start his first season as coach, 3-0. And he had more more wins combined through the first three weeks than any of the other first-year head coaches out there. So what's your what's what's your spin on the first quarter of the season? Like how do you how do you view this football team right now? Uh, I think it's a team that you know I, I pointed out after they beat the Broncos that at the, this time a year ago they were one one and one. Well, now this time a year ago they were two one and one. They had just beaten the Buffalo Bills and Aaron Rodgers was taking passive aggressive shots at the at the head coach and it was a wonder of whether or not the team was on the same page. You really didn't know which way that team's arrow, if you will, was pointing. Now. I know they're coming off a loss, but I do think that their arrow is pointing up. Uh, at minimum, I do think they're at least last year, I don't know that you had anything that you could sit and safely say, oh yeah, the Packers are good at this. Uh, this year, I do think there are things that you can say the Packers are good at. I know they didn't play as great of defense as they had to start the season the other night, but I do think their secondary has played well. Jair Alexander and Kevin King form one of the best cornerback combos in football went they're healthy. Remains to be seen if Kevin King can stay that way. I know he left the other night with a groin injury, so we'll see how that goes. Darnell Savage has been a revelation. Adrian Amos is certainly better than Aha Clinton Dix. And mm-hmm. then you've got the Smith brothers up front rushing the passer, and I do think that the Packers' pass defense is formidable. Uh, even with the way the game went the other night against Carson Wentz, the Eagles averaged less than six yards per pass play. And that's something where if you can hold the other team to that, you're going to win a lot of games. Now, the problem with that is you can't get beaten over the head in the run game like the Eagles were able to do against the Packers. And that's something that Mike Patton alluded to after they lost, or had beaten the uh, Minnesota Vikings, that you put something on film, teams are going to do it over and over again until you stop it. The Packers have proven, to this point, unable to stop some of the inside misdirection plays, wham plays, counter plays, stuff like that. And the Eagles, I mean, Doug Peterson is one of the best coaches in football, and something that I really enjoy about him, that Matt LaFleur, I think, showed some tendency of the other night, so that was encouraging, and we'll get to him a little bit as well. But is that when he knows you can't stop something, they'll just keep going to it. They don't get away from it, try and get too cute and say, this is setting up something else. No, you can't stop this inside wham play. We're going to run it a variety of different ways. Something that the Packers did the other night was, I know there were some complaints about how the Packers didn't run the ball enough, and this is a head coach who wants to run the ball, and he put the entire game on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. Well, yes, I understand the thought that you might need balance in your offense, but quite frankly, the path to winning that game against Philadelphia was putting the game in the hands of your MVP quarterback because Philadelphia's secondary is terrible. And I think that's where things start for the Packers is, is the head coach willing to abandon things that he thinks are important, such as balance, running the ball, setting up with play action, stuff like that, and just willing to do whatever it takes to win that game. I think he showed an ability to do that on Thursday night. So that's an encouraging sign because we've seen in recent years, and Zach, you and I are as big of supporters as Mike McCarthy has existed, but Mike McCarthy was willing to bang his head against the wall in order to preserve whatever it was, his game plan, his philosophy, his whatever, you name it. Yep. He was willing to just bang his head that way. So ultimately, I think my assessment is that I at least know the Packers are good at something, whereas last year I didn't know what they were good at. 
the offense is going to be a work in progress all year. Uh, we'll see how they're able to do if Devontae Adams is going to miss some time because that is something that is a huge concern, in my opinion, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But for now, secondary is pretty good, and they can rush the passer. So I think their pass defense is good, and that's one of the most important things in this league. And you mentioned a year ago, too, like the pass defense was nearly non-existent. I know Kevin King got hurt against that you know, in that Week 2 game against the Vikings. Kentrell Bryce and HaHa Clinton Dix, a couple liabilities back there on the back end, they were getting beat over the the freaking head in the deep passing game. You haven't seen the Packers get beat deep with the deep ball really this season. Maybe you know a, a couple times. I know here and there. I know I know Kirk Cousins connected with a couple nice throws, but the Packers aren't giving up the deep ball with as much consistency as they were at this point a year ago because they were like the entire like the secondary that safety group was just a complete liability. And of course, haha, he's the Bears' problem now. That's their issue. But now you got this rookie starting at free safety, Darnell Savage, who has looked the part of a first-round pick. And I said it all off-season that he was going to come in and have this immediate impact. He wasn't going to go through that that you know the acclimation period for a couple of years where a rookie comes in, kind of gets settled in. He has some nice splash plays, and then you know. 60% of the time he's on the field is mostly a learning experience. He's going to struggle in coverage. He's going to make the wrong reads. And he did uh, miss an open field tackle on Dalvin Cook against the Vikings a couple week, uh, weeks ago. He, um, you know, there's been uh, very small instances where he's diagnosed coverage, uh, misdiagnosed coverage. But for the most part, he has been someone that's potentially in the running for the, this defensive rookie of the year candidate. And obviously it's way too premature to, to kind of speculate something like that. But through the first quarter of the season... He has looked the part of of why why the Packers traded up for him, why they went out and got him. So, you know, that alone is just helping their pass defense against the deep ball. And like you mentioned as well, Carson Wentz, he you know, they're averaging what what was it? How many yards per pass? It was like six six point something? Less than six yards per play. I don't have the exact number. Right. It, it, that just speaks to like they're locking things down downfield. And they're forcing a lot of these intermediate throws. And the pass rush was not, was non existent against the Eagles. I, I, I will say that. Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, they, they weren't able to do the same thing they were able to do through the first three weeks of the season. They weren't able to really make Carson Wentz uncomfortable the, the way they were able to do with Trubisky and Cousins and the way they were able to do it uh, eventually with Joe Flacco after he dotted them up for, for a good while of, uh, of that game against the Broncos. But, you know, it's just, I mean, sitting at 3-1 and one to end September, that's... That's a lot better than I guarantee you a lot of people would have predicted them going into the season. And like you mentioned as well, the offense is having its struggles, of course, but we knew this. We knew that with a a first-year head coach, with Aaron Rodgers having to learn a new system, new verbiage, everything... And on top of Aaron Rodgers, all these young receivers, you know, a, a couple, a couple of young running backs, the new, new protection schemes that the offensive linemen have to get down, and protecting Aaron Rodgers, who is the cornerstone of your franchise. It's, it's a learning process for this entire offense. And like you said as well, again, it's going to go on through the entire season. Now, I initially, I, I believe that it's going to take them a couple months. It's going to take them nine to ten weeks into the season before they kind of start forming more consistently, uh, consistency. Um, you know, offensively, but we've seen flashes so far, albeit against the first quarter against the Vikings, uh, and into the second quarter where they put up 21, they, you know, showed, showed a, a, a promise against the Broncos early on. They, 
obviously struggled in the season opener against the Bears, but that came against the Eagles. That showed you really what this offense can be. When Aaron Rodgers is dropping back and he's hitting guys in rhythm and he's making throws out of his drop, like that was that was the most impressive I've seen Aaron Rodgers in what feels like a long time. Like he was playing that's what we meant when we said all offseason, playing within the offense. When he is just dropping back, three step drops, he's hitting guys right out of their routes, sitting down in zone, right where they have to be, and he's putting the ball where it has to be. He's leading guys away from traffic in the middle of the field to protect them. Like he he looked like vintage Aaron Rodgers against the Eagles. Yeah, I agree. And I think something that needs to be brought up on that too is I mean, he looked like he was willing to play within that system, but also there was I think a good enough mix of him improvising and making some plays outside of the box. The touchdown pass to Geronimo Allison is one example, but I do think that there are some other instances where for all the talk about their relationship and the clickbait crap that Mike Florio likes to throw out all the time, I the relationship is fine. I, I don't think there's been anything where you're just sitting there and saying, like, oh, my God, these guys aren't getting along and there's friction in the offense and how's this going to go, blah, blah, blah. It's fine. The frustration from the first three weeks has stemmed from the fact that they scored 10 points against Chicago. They scored 21 against Minnesota, and it was all in the first quarter. I mean, yeah, offenses are going to get frustrated. Offensive-minded people are going to get frustrated when they're not putting points on the scoreboard. That's all it really was to me. Outside of that, I think that, you know, the offense you mentioned, um, I, I'm a big proponent, and I've said it a, a lot, is I think the new scheme is helpful, but I'm also a big proponent of players and not plays. And I don't know how much the plays matter so much. One thing I will say as far as the plays go that I would like to see less of as the season moves on is there's been a couple different instances where the Packers have been asking tight ends to block defensive ends, and it's ended poorly 100% of the time. Uh, The other night, Marquez Valdez-Scantling had what could have been a 75-yard touchdown. Instead, Mercedes Lewis wasn't able to block Derek Barnett. Barnett strips Rodgers. It's recovered by uh, Brandon Graham. And it's a 14-point swing. I mean, you go from potentially touchdown Green Bay to Philadelphia touchdown. And those are the kinds of plays. that small stuff like that that wrecks games. And when you're a team who I don't know if I would consider Green Bay great if we were doing, like, power rankings in the NFC, if you will. I think Dallas and the Los Angeles Rams are certainly ahead of them at this point. That's something, obviously, that can change. But at this point, those two teams are ahead of them. Uh, Philadelphia is a team I have a lot of belief in. And then after that, I think the Packers are in that second tier of NFC contenders. So those are good teams, not great teams, if you will. And when you're not a great team like the New England Patriots or the Kansas City Chiefs or a team like that, you can't overcome plays like that. And there's your margin for error. when it's And it's that slim in the NFL, even for teams like that. So I think that something that's encouraging for the Packers ultimately is that Despite all the crap, Rodgers has been, he's, I don't, I mean, I don't want to say he's bought into the system because really, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know him. I haven't talked to him. I don't know stuff like that. From what I can see on the field, however, he's played within the system. There's some stuff that's clunky that was always going to happen. They're trying to mix. Malafleur said it a hundred times. Everybody has this like idea that these coaches are so beaten into their system and something that's been encouraging to me, from what I've heard from him, is I'm not building Matt LaFleur's offense. I'm building the Packers' offense. So it's a mix of 
stuff from Kyle Shanahan, stuff from Sean McVay, and yes, stuff that Aaron Rodgers is comfortable with from what he did in his years with Mike McCarthy. For all the talk about how stale and bland and blah, whatever that Mike McCarthy's scheme was, that's the only offense Aaron Rodgers has played in, and they were really good in this offense for a really long time. Mike McCarthy got fired because they weren't good on offense the last few years, and the team stopped winning as a result of it. But ultimately, they're putting that whole offense together, and now, after this loss against Philadelphia, what you're really going to get is, I think, the first glimpse into what kind of coach Matt LaFleur is, because it's very easy to be the coach, and everybody loves you when you're always when you're winning and when things are going well. Uh, Bo Schembechler used to always say, when you're winning, stay tough, because that's the time when people get soft, and when you're losing... That's when you have to be tough. You have to have that guard up. And now the Packers have lost the game. There's some adversity. Matt LaFleur made some mistakes. The offense made some mistakes. And quite frankly, the Packers had several chances to win that game against Philadelphia, and they didn't. Uh, basically, they, they blew the game. I'm not going to say they beat themselves because I hate that phrase, and I hate hearing it from Bears and Vikings fans about their first two games. But they had opportunities to win that game, and they didn't. So now, what are you going to do to adjust face the Dallas Cowboys, and frankly, as far as the receiver position, I mentioned Devontae Adams is hurt. We don't know if he's going to play. It sounds like the guess at this point is that he won't be ready on Sunday against the Cowboys. That remains to be seen. But if he doesn't play, what do you do to make things easier for pass-catching options that, quite frankly, outside of Marquez Valdez-Scaling, who has done some good things and he's making his progress, I believe, towards being a consistent wide receiver... But outside of him, there's a whole lot of inconsistency on that offense and a lot of things you're going to have to make a lot more easier for the players on that team. So I'm excited to see how Matt LaFleur reacts. I think this is the first bit we're really going to learn about this guy. I'm glad you mentioned the wide receiver position because I am going to get into that in a minute and ask you a question. But this that loss against the Eagles, it's, it's coincidental, obviously, because it's, it's an NFC East team. And what I'm about to relate it to three years earlier uh, do you see any resemblance here when the when, right before that run the table streak in 2016 the Packers went into Washington they played partly their best game offensively to that point of the season but they lost 42 to 24 badly. yeah badly like they got they got the, the the breaks beat off them but the offense looked as complete as it had all season Aaron Rodgers was making plays everything was clicking and they lost. They lost by by 18 points. Then they went into uh, Philadelphia next week. And the rest is history, obviously. So do you see like any any resemblance here from this team to that team? I don't like making these these team to team comparisons because everyone, you know, a lot of people have been mentioning the 2014 team uh um these last couple weeks for some reason just because of some of the similarities and you know, you can't really do that. You know these these are teams that are five years apart, and that's that's just that's nonsensical. But in this situation, when the offense went in, and it finally clicked, and everything started coming together, which it looked like it did against the Eagles. And like I said, Aaron Rodgers looked as comfortable as he had all season, as he had at at any point last year. Which I get he had the, the knee injury, but he just looked like vintage Aaron Rodgers, and the offense w- was operating smoothly outside of the run game, of course, for the most part, but. What do, you, what do you think they're going to get against Dallas? I mean, they're probably not going to have Devontae Adams, but do you think they can carry that momentum 10 days apart, go into Dallas and kind of just shock everybody? Man, it's tough because Dallas, as far as talent, I 
I know they haven't played quite to it this year, but as far as talent on that defense, they're fast, they're talented, and they have an opportunity to really shut teams down if they get into it. Their linebacking core with Leighton Vanderash and Jalen Smith, I don't want to make this comparison directly because neither player is as good as the ones I'm about to mention. But you guys remember those San Francisco 49er teams when Jim Harbaugh was the head coach and they had Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis, and they could play base the entire time because those linebackers could run with anybody. So it didn't matter what you did. They don't have to go nickel, and they don't have to go small. So you can't go small and run the ball against them. So you're 100% one-dimensional, something the Cowboys can do with their personnel that they have. As far as what the offense is going to be able to do, first it starts with protection. And this is a, well, we've talked about Devontae Adams. A, a potential bigger injury is Brian Balaga because the Packers' plan, or at least we all thought their plan for swing tackle was Billy Turner moving out to right tackle if Balaga were to be hurt. Well, now that plan appears to be on ice because Lane Taylor has a biceps injury. So Elton Jenkins stepped in for him, and he's played really well as a left guard to start the season. I know a lot of people wanted a wide receiver, a tight end, something like that in that round, and he is going to be a brick on that offensive line for the next 10 years. I can You can write that down right now. He's been that good. The right tackle spot, however, Alex Light, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but it looked like JV playing against varsity uh, the other night. Now, granted, he was thrown in there in the middle of the game, and the Eagles have some good pass rushers. Derek Barnett was a first-round pick. Brandon Graham was a Super Bowl hero, a very good player. At the same time, there's no rest for the weary. Demarcus Lawrence is coming, and you think that they're going to put Demarcus Lawrence over on David Bakhtiari when you know that there's a young guy who hasn't played a whole lot of football on the right side? Yeah, that's where it's going to be. The Packers, as far as their offense goes, like I said, this is where Matt LaFleur has to make things easier. If Devontae Adams doesn't play because Marquez Valdez-Scantling has shown flashes, not consistent. Geronimo Allison, not consistent. Darius Shepard, Alan Lazard. The Packers have more undrafted wide receivers on their roster than they do drafted ones. Tight ends, Jimmy Graham, you're going to have to earn your paycheck if Devontae's coming out because it looks like you're the guy that Aaron Rodgers trusts the most after him. The two biggest plays of the game the other night, where did Rodgers throw the ball? Jimmy Graham. Now, Jimmy Graham certainly has drawn the ire of some fans. He's played... Okay, I thought he played well on Thursday night. Uh, the only thing that's going to be remembered is the fact that he didn't catch the ball in the back of the end zone. But before that, I thought he had played pretty well. Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanya, it really is going to have to be... The, listen, there's no replacing a guy like Devontae Adams. Uh, he's a top five wide receiver in the NFL. There's no replacing a guy like that, especially when your younger guys that you have on the roster aren't consistent. It's going to have to be a total team effort, so... Aaron Jones out of the backfield. Jamal Williams, if he's healthy and ready to go. Dexter Williams, if he's up and active. Robert Tanya, Mercedes Lewis. You're talking about a full team effort. And like I said, players not plays, but you can put players in an optimal position to succeed. And I think that that's something that Matt LaFleur is going to have to do. And I know that I'm a big proponent of running the ball is not relevant. It doesn't matter that much unless you're getting clubbed in the run game like the Packers did the other night. But this weekend against Dallas, they're going to need some efficiency out of their running game because, quite frankly, their passing game, it just doesn't have the horses to run with the Cowboys. And the Cowboys have a dynamic offense. We haven't even talked about the defensive side of that thing yet. That's not really what this episode is for. But if you look at it, Zeke is great, and he's the one who gets all the publicity, and so does the Great Wall of Dallas. But quietly, 
uh, maybe not so much because nothing's quiet with the Dallas Cowboys, but Dak Prescott is having the best start of his career, and he's got some weapon. I mean, Michael Gallup probably isn't going to play, but Lamar Cooper is very good, and old friend Randall Cobb looks like he's having a little bit of a renaissance down there. I never thought he was done. I thought it might have been time to move on, but I didn't think he was done when he moved on. I think Dallas is going to have a nice little weapon on their hands should they make the playoffs, which it looks like they will. So that's what I think as far as that matchup goes specifically. Look, there's no good time for turf toe. That's how I'm going to lead into this this next bit. Uh, There's no good time for turf toe. It's a great, great lead in, but it's true. There's no good time for turf toe, especially if you're Devontae Adams. If you're, you know, a top five wide receiver in football, you're the most, one of the most important weapons in the Packers offense. But it it came at a time where they have a 10-day rest between games. So maybe there is a small chance that he goes against Dallas. But I remember, I know Ian Rappaport said it's going to be, I believe, a one to two week injury. Or, you know, he he might miss some time. So it's more than likely he's going to be out of the Dallas game. And even if he does play, I'd imagine it would be in, in limited capacity. There's no way he plays 60-something snaps on offense. There, there's not a chance. But So let's uh, let's just say the Packers go into the game, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Geronimo Allison, and more than likely it'll be Darius Shepard. I mean... I mean what and then you talked about it a little bit like what's your comfort level with that? I mean, there's there's some time between now and playing against the Cowboys, but could you see some shot in the dark, like a a chance in hell that the Packers make some kind of move for a wide receiver here? Even though Devontae Adams is only going to miss a game or two. I mean, every game is precious, and Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. But could you see the Packers possibly making a move for a wide receiver here? Yeah, I don't know. I made a comment the other day that I I really don't believe that the Packers front office went through the entire offseason and said, what if Devontae, and didn't say, what if Devontae Adams gets hurt, then what? And then after that, I really struggle with the fact that if the answer was, we're good if Devontae gets hurt. Um, the problem I have, I know become popular, I'm guilty of it myself, suggesting Emmanuel Sanders of the Denver Broncos be a trade target. I know there's a lot of other names that have kind of been thrown out there with little to no substance behind them. As far as I know, there hasn't been a receiver that's requested a trade. But at the same time, I don't know how much that receiver is going. Like The way I explained it to one of my friends the other day when we were talking about this conversation was... If somebody's going to come in and be a significant contributor to this offense, that move was one that needed to be made between March and July so mm-hmm. they could learn the offense and be comfortable with all of those things. So the Packers right now, for better or worse, even if they trade for a guy, I mean, obviously, unless that player's name is like Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins, but that's not happening. You know, if they're trading for a guy, it's somebody on a smaller scale type of level. Teams just don't trade elite wide receivers unless you're the New York Giants. But even that costs two, a couple first-round picks. So I, I think that there's a chance because with Brian Gutekunst, there's been a chance with just about everything. And that's something that's nice is that he doesn't leave the stones unturned. But I don't think that's going to happen between now and then because I think the Packers believe that they are good enough uh, because I really don't think that they have the discussion of what happens if Adams gets hurt because you have to have those conversations. It's great to have players at certain positions and say like, 
you know, what if this guy gets hurt? You know, what if um, Kevin King gets hurt? Okay, well, we've got Tremont Williams who can step in and play in base behind, you know, Jair Alexander. And we have Josh Jackson and some of these other guys that they've brought in in recent years. So I think that ultimately, no, they're not going to make a move. And I think it's because they think they're good at receiver. And ultimately what's going to happen, and I'm projecting, and I'll be happy to be proven wrong if Valdez Scaling becomes a stud and Darius Shepard becomes this revelation, for example. But I think what you're going to see this offseason is something very similar to what we saw this past offseason in regards to the defense. I think you're going to see very aggressive additions on the offensive side of the ball, whether it's receivers or tight ends, because quite frankly, looking ahead, both positions don't look the greatest into 2020. But for this year specifically, no, I, I don't think they're going to uh, make a make a significant move. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with really the the whole assessment. I mean, if they did, if they didn't if they thought they were fine in April and didn't take a Devontae Adams a potential Devontae Adams injury into the equation, then I highly doubt they're uh, they're going to do it now. I mean, the, the expectations obviously amongst fans is they're going to make a trade for Corey Davis or they're going to they're going to somehow acquire Emmanuel Sanders. In reality, they're going to probably sign somebody off of another team's practice squad. That's more than likely what's going to happen. So, anyways, I think that should just about do it. I'm not going to ask you for a final score prediction against the Cowboys because it's way too early for that, and we don't know what's going to happen throughout the course of the week, if somehow miraculously Devontae Adams is going to come back and practice, or if Jamal Williams is going to be ready to play. Who who knows? But we can just end the show on that note. The Packers are 3-1. and They've had a strong start to the first quarter of the season. They're going into Dallas. Then they have a Monday night game against the Lions, and then they play the Raiders, the the mess of Raiders who no longer have Antonio Brown. I don't know what the hell is going on with that guy. But anyways, Jacob, where can we find your stuff? I mentioned it at the beginning, but I want you to do it again. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. It's pretty much, oh, I say it used to be like 90% Packers, 10% other stuff. Now it's like 60% Packers and 30% baby stuff. So follow along if you want to find that stuff. And then... Zach and I were doing some stuff over at PackerReport.com, a magazine newspaper once back in the day that was started by Ray Nitschke, and I think that's freaking awesome. And we got some really cool merchandise from Ross the other day, so I want to thank him for that on air. But the site for that is PackerReport.com, and you can find the Twitter handle at PackerReport66. Uh, Zach does breaking news, and then... I've got stuff that comes out on Tuesdays and Fridays, and it kind of depends on how the week goes, what exactly it is that I'm doing with those things. But it's a lot of fun. It's been a great start, and we have a really, really good team over there. So check us out. Um, Get that VIP subscription. I'm promising you it's absolutely worth it. It definitely is. And like you mentioned, too, our our team is incredible. we got a bunch of great, talented guys over there. And we have three Jakes or Jacobs. So. Yeah, you are you are one third of the tandem. That's well, not you're tandem. You're one third of the group. I just want to throw that out there. What was that? I said I'm the best one. I just want to throw that out there. Obviously, the best one, the best <laughs> looking one. Any way you want to slice it. All right. Absolutely. So, uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Zach A Jacobson. Uh, I almost said dot com. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Zach A Jacobson. And like Jacob mentioned as well, I'm over at Packer Report. I'm the reporter over there, and. Yeah, just be sure to check us out and subscribe. It is definitely well worth it. Our content creators are top-notch, and Ross did an incredible job assembling the team that I couldn't be any more grateful to be a part of. 
So anyways, that is it for today's episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Thank you everybody for listening and tuning in and all that good stuff. Make sure you subscribe to the show, review it, do whatever you do on iTunes or the podcast app. I don't know how it works anymore. I, I think I'm getting old. I shouldn't say that around you, Jacob, because you're like, you're like 40. Yeah, I guess I deserve that one. <laughs> yeah, you did. You said something before the broadcast, before we started recording. I can't remember what it was, but it was me. I don't either. I apologize if it hurt your feelings. Yeah, thanks. Anyways, catch you guys uh, for tomorrow's episode. Take care and go Pack Go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.